What's up, everybody? Welcome back to my non-expert opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and today you are in for a treat with my guest, Lexi Merritt. Lexi is a writer and launch strategist who spent the last decade helping creative business owners get their ideas seen online. What she's absolutely genius at is helping you build an intuitive creative practice while using elements of design thinking, behavioral psychology, and digital strategy to co-create a new way of showing up that feels aligned with what you actually want your life to look like. She currently lives in Washington, D.C. and is most often found writing in a cafe or library. I got the honor and privilege to work with Lexi last summer when I was traveling around Europe. I really needed help with Mic Drop and just revamping it and remarketing what it was really about. As you guys know, my favorite thing to do is help people launch podcasts and share their voice. And I feel like I just wasn't telling the story in the best way. And I felt like I wasn't outlining it in the absolute best way that I could. And so I invested into a VIP day with Lexi and she totally helped me revamp Mic Drop. So by the way, when you go to Mic Drop and you see that sales page and you see the copy and the marketing and everything, that was all with Lexi's help. I have never changed the sales page since we worked together because I was like, yep, this is it. This is exactly what I wanted to say. This is exactly what I want people to feel because she's just so genius at what she does. And she really is good at the internet. She talks about that a lot in her pretty decent community. She wants to help you get good at the internet. Now, obviously, I want to be good at the internet because that's where I spend a lot of my time. But really what drew me to Lexi's work was her very grounded and down-to-earth nature of teaching. She really embodies that wise teacher archetype and the creative genius archetype at the same time. I love that she prioritizes your dream work life and what is the essence of your goals? What are you trying to feel when you accomplish these goals as the center of her work? That's what really drew me in to work with her. So the life you see that I live now of traveling all the time and like having Fridays off and being able to be really flexible with my schedule was not by accident. I have been so intentional in how I build my business and audit my time. And Lexi was a massive proponent in helping me get there. So you're really going to enjoy this episode. We talked about how pretty decent actually went from like a Tumblr account to a full blown online community. We talk a lot about experimentation with launches and content. We definitely talk about dream work life alignment as well as flashy sales and luxe marketing and like what that means and our opinions on that. And you know, I value transparency and context. So something that Lexi is really good at is launch strategy. She's actually a launch strategist. That's again, why I hired her to help me launch my drop last summer. And I asked her though, like, have you actually dealt with a failed launch? What do you do when no one shows up to the Zoom or no one signs up for your course after you put so much effort into it? And then we talk about something that I really want to highlight on the podcast more is being in a relationship while you're an entrepreneur. There are so many benefits to being in a relationship while navigating entrepreneurship, like financial privilege, emotional support, basic needs being met that I don't think a lot of people talk about. (laughs) I've been making fun of people that are like, I don't think a lot of people talk about this and now I'm doing it. But like, I really never hear people talk about the privilege of being in a relationship while you're running a business. I know personally, I've run a business with a partner and without a partner, and those experiences were very different. I've had to navigate now meeting a lot of my own needs and not having someone around to support me emotionally or financially or mentally. It's a whole different ballgame. So Lexi's in a relationship and opened up about the amazing things that go with that and some things that are just straight up annoying. And ultimately, I think the message that we both really wanted to highlight here is allowing your humanity in your business, right? It's okay to build launches around your life and your energy and your experiences. And it's okay to have a heartbreak day or a nap or a mental health day in a world that constantly pushes us to work at breakneck speed and practically bend over backwards for everyone just to sell something is not a world I want to live in and neither does Lexi. So that's why I really wanted her to come on this podcast to talk about building that dream work life and how we can make space for humanity while we run our online businesses. Speaking of mic drop and how Lexi totally helped me remarket that, it is now on demand. So you can now take mic drop at your own pace. I'm a Virgo moon and Virgo rising, so I absolutely hate fluff. Each module is like no longer than 15 minutes, and there's a checklist to follow for success. So if you want to stay on a timeline and you want to make sure you're getting through all the modules, again, there's a path that you can take and you can launch in as little as four weeks. I walk you through every single thing around starting a podcast from finding a name to creating cover art 
to editing, to publishing, best practices around recording, marketing and promotion. I know all the steps involved to launch a podcast can feel overwhelming. And I've been doing it for so long. I've collected more data into what people need. And that's exactly how Mic Drop was birthed into the world. Thinking of every single thing that you need to launch a podcast and making sure you can do it in a way that feels good to you and aligned with your energy, your goals, your visions, your needs. You'll learn all that inside Mic Drop. You can find more info in the link in my show notes. And if you enroll, DM me at Chelsea Rife or email me info at ChelseaRife.com and let's celebrate and buckle up because podcasting is one of the most fun, exciting, expansive, creative things I've ever done for myself. And I cannot wait to see what you do with your journey. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this week's podcast with Lexi Marin. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I am so excited about today's guest, Lexi Merritt, pretty decent. I've been working with her for the last year or so now, which is pretty crazy to to think about. It's been a year in your world, and I don't plan on leaving, so hopefully you'll keep me. I enjoy your community so much, and I'm just so happy to talk to you today. So welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you so much for having me, and also love having you run pretty decent. The Internet Cafe. The Internet Cafe. And you know what's interesting is... I've been meaning to ask you this forever. I started calling my podcast in my non-expert opinion, almost as a shield to be like, I'm owning that I'm not an expert at everything. I don't want you to come for me if I say something that's not really expert. And then I started thinking about pretty decent. And I'm like, is that what she did? She kind of do the same thing. I'm like, ah, it's pretty decent. I am just making an assumption. Can you tell us the name and the origin story behind pretty decent? Yeah. So it was just my regular Instagram name in college. Like it was like my personal Instagram. And I think it was just something we were saying a lot in college, like, you know, just a little phrase. And so my friends started like when I graduated, like putting it on hats for me and stuff. And then I actually got the Instagram handle. Shout out to this boy because it he had it. it. Like his Instagram was just pretty decent. And I messaged him and I was like, hey, I want this Instagram handle. Like, can I buy it from you? And he was like, no, it's fine. Like my friends make fun of me anyway. Like you can just have it. And he changed his Instagram to like his real name and then gave me the handle. And so I changed it to my personal and then ended up making a, what was essentially like a mood board account for a couple of years, like just Tumblr vibes on Instagram under pretty decent. And then I checked back a couple of years later and he had changed his name back to, and it was like pretty decent one for like numbers. And I was like, oh, he did want it. And I felt bad, but shout out to him because he gave me the handle. (laughs) Love that. Shout out to our boy, the OG pretty decent guy. Yes. (laughs) Creating Lexi's future community, which it sounds like you didn't know that was going to happen. How did you go from Tumblr mood board into like internet business expert and building a community about online marketing? I was always obsessed with like old vintage computer ads, like 80s Apple, Mac user magazine, computer ads from especially like the 80s and 90s, that beige Mac era. So that that aesthetic was always there. So I picked, you know, an Instagram category, a business profile, and I picked Internet Cafe as a joke. And I was like, oh, that's, that's what this mood board account is. And then I just kind of leaned into it. Like I was like, well, I do want an Internet Cafe. I started like really getting into the again, just like the aesthetics of internet cafes at first and like the community space. I know you travel, right? Like, so you see these institutions and I started playing with it and then I opened the Slack and the Slack really made sense to me as an internet cafe for creative entrepreneurs and freelancers and business owners. So it just kind of stuck the pretty decent name. I think of it a lot like Vanity Fair. It like kind of holds these two things. One time I was at a club and this guy tried to get me to give him my Instagram and I never give out my personal when people do that. I always give them the business because you know it's good marketing. And I started typing in pretty decent and he snatches his phone back and he goes, I knew you thought you were pretty and walks away. So it has weird connotations, but it's fun. Oh, I love that. I love the whole aesthetic that you build. And yes, I travel and I always think about that. Like the cafe is just full of everyone co-working and there's just a vibe that you know if you know. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you've been in this type types of cafes and everyone's on their laptop. And I love the picture you have on your website with the actual uh, computer, like the old computer. So it just shows in your marketing. And I think that's something that I've been drawn to you and in your work is like, you just seem very authentic in what you like and what your preferences are. And you're like, yeah, this is what I like. And this is what I don't like. 
And it brings me to ask you about the dream work life alignment. And I think when I heard dream work life, even now, sometimes I hear it, I'm like, oh, there's like a little bit of an ick because of what I feel like the coaching industry did to it of like first class flights and and Gucci bags and staying in penthouses and like starting to really distort people's view of what dream work life is. And I think people started to skew it of like, oh, if I don't want those things or have those like really luxury things, then I'm not good at my job. I'm not good at the internet. I'm not good at what I'm doing. And I think when I started to dive deeper into your work, I was like, oh, she's not talking about like the flashy luxury sales that I see in so many other pieces of content. You're just talking about what would make sense to you? Like, what do you secretly want to do all day? I know that's your like go-to question. Can you tell me a little bit about that question and where dream like, like dream work life alignment started to come into your ether? Mm, yeah. Yeah. The, so dream work life was the first course I ever taught by myself. I had been helping other people sell courses at that point for years. And I'd been in the online business industry as like a lurker and a freelancer and a I've worked in content marketing since 2014. So you can't work in content marketing for very long without running into like HubSpot and like a celebrity entrepreneur's webinar. So I was very much like copying and pasting everyone's email sequences into Google Docs and like studying what they were doing. And I was like, how are, I mean, it's all income claiming, right? So I'm like, how are these people making so much money? Like what is going on here? Very much studying it. But then when it came time to make my own course, I didn't, I knew more specifically who I wanted to work with. So I just started interviewing people and it was summer of 2020. Obviously the world was like, felt like the world was on fire. And our my and my community's only saving grace was we were doing a Julia Cameron, The Artist's Way book club. And so we would meet and like Zoom all together, like from various parks all over the world on Sundays. And in one of the the reflection questions on The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron asks, what do you secretly want to do all day? And that question just like, you know, you I have it sitting actually right in front of me, the, the answer that I wrote. And it's just about like being a contracted author and like eating crab legs for lunch and like going for a walk and writing and da da da. And it was just this really vivid imagination. And that to me is what, when I'm talking about like, what's your dream work life? Like what environment and what variables and what people and what smells and what activities would like make you feel excited to do not just like work labor but like your work like the work that makes you feel really happy and feels like you're contributing and like you're expressing a core part of yourself and so when it came time to make my own course and apply all of those lessons that I'd learned I literally just interviewed people I called or zoomed with every freelancer, want to, you know, want aspiring freelancer, entrepreneur, artist, creative person, everyone in the book club that I could talk to. And they all said, I I said, what do you want? You know, what's in the way? And they said, I want to be fulfilled. I just want to figure out what's fulfilling me. And then what's in the way? I don't feel like I have any direction. So DreamWork Life was just a course that I made, you know, did research and tried to teach about it felt like, you know, in your freshman year of college that they make you take that like career aptitude class. I don't know. They made me take it. It felt like that. It's like a summer, you know, chill. You're just dipping your toes in the water and you have to kind of figure out who am I? What do I like to do? What are my strengths? That to me is what dream work life is. I love that. Yeah. I know you always do the polls on Instagram stories of like, which dream today? And it will be, you know, an enchanted forest or a beach. And I'm like, oh, I just love that to you. It's very much like what, like you said, the environments you're setting up, the time that you spend, like how is your schedule looking? You don't need to be in a nine to five. You don't need to do it the way that others have done it. And to your point, I think it's totally fine if luxury is for you. My issue was whether that was my algorithm or what I was consuming was that was all I was seeing. So then I started to feel bad as a traveler who does live in not luxury all the time. You know, sometimes I live in bunk beds. Sometimes I live in hostels. Sometimes I live in an Airbnb that the AC doesn't work. And it started to make me feel bad about myself. But I was like, but why do I feel bad? I'm actually living my dream. I've always wanted to travel and work and I get to do that. So why am I like, again, feeling bad about myself? So that's what drew me to your work was the fact that it was like, you can set up your life how you want to set it up. 
you can make your dream work for you. And I'm curious, you asked the question, so I want to ask it back to you, like, what do you secretly want to do all day? I actually have in my room on my bulletin board the first, the way I answered that question in the summer of 2020, I ended up like cutting it out and, and like pasting it and painting around it. So I have it. And I think it's still pretty true. I want to wake up and write and read. I want to go for a walk. I want to preferably be close to the Atlantic Ocean, if at all possible. And I want to like write for a couple of hours, maybe take a meeting and then just ride bikes on the beach and like collect shells and eat crab legs for dinner and like hang out. I really love teaching. And so another thing about it is like, to me, you know, it it's like, what do you secretly want to do all day? Doesn't have to necessarily be this like linear concept of a day. Cause some days I want to be like in a wood paneled, you know, classroom with like lectured seats and I want to be talking and I want us to all have big pieces of paper and I want to be teaching. Other days I want to literally just like be in bed all day. Other days I want to be like in Paris on a balcony. Like, so that's part of it is like accepting that dreams often change every night. Dreams change as we change. And I think it's just about mostly the reason I asked that question is so we can look around and say, okay, so I have this fantasy of, you know, eating crab legs for dinner. I'm not currently in my like beach, you know, hut, <laughs> a walking distance from the ocean, but like, there's actually nothing stopping me from going and getting seafood for dinner. Like there's literally actually like I can, I can do that. And so it's about finding those little like ways to give yourself what you want. Cause I think that builds a muscle of honoring what you want and proving to yourself so that you can trust yourself to say, oh, I can have the things that I want and I can give those to myself. I have access to those things, even if it doesn't look exactly like this, like picture perfect fantasy. Cause I'm sure, you know, as a traveler, it never really looks like how we think it's going to look in our head. No, never. And it reminds me of an episode I did with a locational astrologist that talked about this, that like, sometimes let's say you have a line over Paris, but you're like, I don't have the resources to go to Paris. I don't have the schedule. I don't have the PTO, but it's like, you can still go get a croissant. You can go get, you can wear a beret. You can go get the minimalist chic outfits that they wear and throw on some red lipstick. Like there's so many ways to make, to bring in your dream into your reality. So I love that you said that because I think I used to think this when I worked in corporate America, like, oh, cool, good for them, like must be nice that they can just do that without thinking like, how can I bring those elements to me instead of how can I go out and find those elements externally? Which actually brings me to my next question is, there might be some people listening that they're like, of course, I want to only take one meeting a day and only work till 1pm and walk on the beach. Like that is the dream. But that's not my reality. I have to take meetings all day. I have to take I have to book out my client roster to meet my needs. You know, I have rent to pay. So I can't just be taking one client a day. What would you say to those people? Or what advice would you give to someone that has that must be nice mentality? And that's not really like my reality right now. Well, it's not mine either. For one, I also take meetings. I also have to pay rent. I also have a budget. You know, I'm not like <laughs> just showering in cash every day, literally doing whatever I want. I have responsibilities. And and I think that's that's normal. Sometimes I like to think of everything like an experiment. And sometimes there, I, I like to be able to clearly see what are the variables that are in my control and what are the variables that are out of my control. And this is very foundational to like self-coaching as well is this idea of what's my locus of control? What, what can I have an impact on versus like systemic issues, systemic racism, systemic class divides, those are out of my control. But what I, you know, maybe what I do with the ingredients that I have in front of me and, and how I treat myself and whether or not I take a bath or a walk today and make my body feel better. Those are things that tend to be at least closer to our control. I don't have a very strict work schedule that imposes a lot on me, but I do have the, I call it like the luxury burden of having, I mean, entrepreneurship, right? Having to figure out where every single dollar is always coming from all the time, which adds on a, a mental load and also, you know, extra labor. And so, yeah, that's what I would say is, is I would just look at what's in my control and what's out of my control and just focus on the things that are within your control. Cause we don't have to be able to like 
you know, I'm never advocating like just quit your job and drop everything and, you know, do all of these things. Cause I mean, it's just not my place to ever say that, but I will say if you want to swim in the ocean, but you can't access it, sit on the floor in the shower, you know what I mean? Like do something that makes you feel like figure out what the essence is of what you want. Why do you want to jump into the ocean? Is it because you want, I mean, sometimes literally what I need is I need my ears to be underwater because that like sensory deprivation is so relaxing. So I will go in the bath and just put my head underwater so that I get that. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want to be on a balcony in Paris. Why do I want that? Because I want to feel cultured, you know, and I want to feel like I'm like experiencing the world. Okay, well, is there a free, I live in DC. Is there a free museum I can go to? Is there like a free art walk in my town where I can like talk to people? Sometimes you can find the essence of what you want and focus on that and do it in a way that that prioritizes what is in your control versus what's out of it. Oh, love that. I'm so happy you're bringing this up because to be honest, I think people look at my life and think that I did the whole like, quit your job and travel the world and just like see what happens. And I'm like, in a way I did, if you were to water it down to a, you know, a simple sentence, it's like, yeah, you could say that's what I did. But I'm like, do you know all the bullshit I have to deal with on a daily basis? Like so many different things. Even now when we're recording this episode, I'm like, get ready, Lexi. There's probably going to be a bell that comes by with the trash man that rings a bell when he comes to pick up the trash. And that ruins all my podcast recordings. And like, it's actually not ideal. I wish I could have a studio and a house that I could just go to every time I needed to record. Currency, it changes every time I move and I have to figure out currency. And now my budget kind of changes because the dollar is different in every single country I go to. And there's just so many realities of things that we don't see, but in its essence, traveling for me was culture, meeting new people, trying new foods. So I always have to come back to that when I'm traveling of like, okay, why are we in Mexico city right now? Why do I want to go to Europe in the summer or the fall? And then coming, if I can't go there, like, how can I bring that to me? So I'm just really happy you're bringing this up of like, what is the essence and how can you give that to yourself in this moment? Mm, yeah. I had a buddy pass for a year. I don't know if I told you that my friend oh my gosh. for an airline in 2019. And I experienced, like, I would just do anything. I would just go to Portugal for a day and then come back. And it was like, so fun, but so much extra work, so much extra mental load, trying to get Wi-Fi on the plane to work. It was like a whole thing. So I very much respect the additional labor that comes with being a traveler and traveling on top of doing your entrepreneurship, which is also an extra mental, you know, it like really adds up. Yeah. I mean, actually, it's interesting we're talking about this because that's how I found your work. And when we started working together was I was on a four month trip through Europe and I just had so many mental gymnastics to do. Like I had to figure out where I was living. I had to figure out how much money I had left, what was coming in, blah, blah, blah. And I was also, I had just so many ideas. Like that's the beauty of traveling is like I constantly get inspired and have new ideas of what I want to teach or what I want to talk about. And I was just so overwhelmed of like, I don't feel like I'm articulating myself well. I don't feel like I'm doing a good job at this. And so we started working together to promote my course, Mic Drop. And you really helped me while I was in Valencia, Spain, so that I could live my dream work life and and do what I needed to do. And so I'm curious when you're working with clients on VIP days or one-on-one or even in the study in your in your membership, like what are some questions that you ask to be able to work backwards to get them to where they need to be? Oh, I love that question because I love questions. I always ask, what do you secretly want to do all day? I always ask, what's your relationship with time, money, and energy? Like when when is time really easy? Because my thing is I consider myself a designer, not in like the most literal form where we're like, you know, designing a new type of umbrella, but like designing a service, designing a course, designing a marketing campaign it's less tangible, but like very much a design process. And so I'm not really interested in designing anything that doesn't get you closer to that dream work life, right? I don't want to design a coaching program for your clients that meets all of their needs, but like tramples all over yours. I also tend to ask, what is so easy for you that it just like feels like breathing? What do people ask you for advice about? What do you wish everyone knew before working with you? That's where I tend to get lead magnet ideas. So like freebies and things to give away. I always tell everyone, like, if you could make a prerequisite, that's your freebie. So for a t-shirt brand, it might be like a 
sample, you know, or like a um, catalog or something like that. But for a coaching program, it might be much more literal or an education program. It might be like literally a prerequisite. And yeah, I mean, it depends on where the client is at. If they are having a really hard time expressing like a visual identity, sometimes we'll talk about the symbols and pictures. And I often have people make like Pinterest boards, not because I'm going to be like a graphic designer. I'm like a Canva designer, but I can help you find colors, right? Like I'm all about finding the least complicated way to make whatever it is you want to make happen, happen. And oftentimes, as much as I love web design, I think most web designers and, and brand designers would agree with me that like, before you get validation on the product or service idea is not the time to usually to go all in on the branding. Branding is really going to help, but we need validation of that idea first. We need to know that people are actually interested in the content of the course or the, the concept of the new umbrella thing before we like brand it and make it the most beautiful thing anyone's ever seen. So I like working with clients, you know, maybe not that are just, you know, sometimes they're just starting out and it, they've never touched anything regarding entrepreneurship before. But sometimes it's like, I tend to get clients that are right in that space like you were, where you've been doing this work for years, you have a really clear methodology, it may not be like, laid out and expressed in a framework yet, but you know what you, you know, the process that you take people through. And you have this like new iteration is what I would call it of it. And you want to just like make that new iteration, like really blow people's socks off. And so in order to do that, we have to get clear on, of course, like the production and the next steps. And that's where I really, especially in like the one-on-one -on -one sessions, like week by week, that's what we tend to do. But those, those VIP sessions, those like deep dives, three hours, six hours at a time, those tend to be like just big paper brainstorming, like what could this look like? Who is it for? Why does it matter? How does it work? And how are people going to pay for it? As long as we have the answer to that, we can do literally anything. Yeah, I absolutely loved our VIP day together because it gave me so much clarity of like what I'm trying to say and who I'm trying to speak to. And something that you always ask too is like, what's your least complicated next step? And literally, like I always ask that question to myself now of, no, my, my best next step isn't planning the whole next season of the podcast, the best next step is like going to get my notebook and pen and going to a cafe. That's mm -hmm. actually the, the best next step, not the bigger task. So it's really helped me simplify how I think about things. But I think when you are someone, especially with big paper planning day, I know that's one of your quarterly offerings, that starts to get me so excited about all the things I can do. And I start to get overwhelmed with all my ideas. Like I'm going to have a sub stack. I'm going to have a new podcast. I'm going to do a new type of newsletter. And then I'm going to revamp this thing and that thing. How do you help people that are kind of overwhelmed by their ideas? I'm a manifesting generator. I know that. So I definitely get that. I, I respect that energy always. Like I think the first thing to do is to like take a step back from the overwhelm and go, holy shit, I have a superpower. Like it's always overwhelming to have a superpower. I'm, I would imagine. I think of like the little really fast kid from The Incredibles. Like that was probably overwhelming for him at times going that fast. But like, holy shit, I have a superpower, you know? So when you get all of that, that vision and energy and it's just like bubbling up, I think, you know, the first thing to do is just respect that and, and name it and go like, whoa, cool, good for me. This is really, this is like the fuel in my tank. Like I feel like I'm really gassed up and also recognizing that 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 energy and that step is very different than the step of execution so you know whether it's through like cycle planning if you have a period I know that fun that's be really helpful for me or through like working with the moon or just like project your good old-fashioned project management and delegation right like handing off some of the smaller implementation details to a member of your team or to somebody who's that's their gift it's I think just recognizing that that beautiful bubbly energy of like, oh, I'm going to change everything. And I have so many ideas, like get a big piece of paper, get your sticky notes, get some markers and colored pencils and crayons and just like draw it out, map it out, and then take a step back, relax, rest, let your body recharge from that exertion and then come back and then, you know, break each into each thing into a number of steps. What do we need to do if we want to start the sub stack? What are the steps of that? What do we need to do if we want to like redo the website? What are the steps? Who can we ask for help at every stage of the process? 
And then I, I tend to prioritize, which is the big question that people always have. I, t- I prioritize based on excitement, like literally simply because I am a one woman show. And if I'm not excited about it, it's not happening. So whatever's most exciting for me gets to be top of the list and then followed closely by whatever's urgent and someone's waiting for me on, which is not very much these days because as I, I wanted to tweet this, but I don't have Twitter. Like I literally feel like I've designed my business to not give me homework ever. I finally gotten to the point where I never have homework in my business, which I really appreciate. So yeah, I would say, you know, excitement, go let the excitement be what it is. And then in another work session, break it all up into a project management plan. Love that. Something you talk about a lot too is the content experiments and just looking at everything as an experiment, which I think gives a lot of entrepreneurs permission to not feel bad if it quote unquote fails or doesn't go the way they want it to. That's helped me of like, okay, it's just an experiment. It's just a variable I have to change. I have to try it again. But I do have a question for people that are like, I feel like I've been experimenting and the experiment is not going the way I want it to. And I'm not getting the results. I have tweaked it. I've changed the sequence. I've changed the lead magnet. I've tried six weeks launch and then I tried 12 weeks and then I tried one week. Like they're just constantly experimenting to the point where they're like, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Like this is not for me. I want to go back to a corporate lifestyle or just something a little more stable. I'm done with entrepreneurship. What advice would you have for people that are basically tired of repeating quote unquote failed experiments? Well, I'll tell you for one thing. I, right, I mean, a couple of days ago, literally late in bed, I was so exhausted. And all I could say was like, I'm so tired to my boyfriend. This shit is exhausting. I think it's very normal to reach that stage. I don't know a single entrepreneur who hasn't. The reason I I look at things like an experiment, you know, science obviously is not the only way to gain information. So if looking at things analytically and breaking it down into variables, that approach that I, that framework of thinking the science, the scientific way, if that is not working, maybe there are other ways of knowing. Maybe there's, maybe like sitting in the forest and staring at a tree and breathing is going to give you the answers that you're looking for. Like, that that kind of super analytical data-driven thinking, which I rely on because it's second nature to me. My first nature is to just go stare at a tree. And I found that that wasn't giving me all of the answers that I needed. And so I started looking at literally just like the scientific method, like question, hypothesis, materials, you know, observations, all of that kind of standard process that we started doing in like fifth grade probably. I started looking at things that way. And I find it to be a helpful framework when you're an entrepreneur, especially when your brain is not intuitively super analytical. Like that was never, even as a marketer, that wasn't the side of marketing that I was interested in or good at. Because if I can look at personal branding where everything has my face on it, if something gets like zero likes and like 10 views on Instagram, I'm much more inclined to go, oh, it must be my face. It must be my voice. It must be the things I said. People must not like me. Oh my gosh, I'm in middle school again at the cafeteria. And it's way easier for me to spiral there versus if I take myself and just see me and my face and my voice as one of the variables. And also there was a posting time and there were hashtags and, oh, that was a video. The first 30 seconds of the video had no text or hook in it at all. Like there's no reason to stop scrolling when you look at this. And if I can zoom out and look at it as a collection of those variables, it helps me not take everything so personally. So if somebody's at the point where, I mean, you're describing big experiments, right? Launches, campaigns, product designs, offerings, you know, sequences, all of these type of things. Those are, I mean, each one of those tiny, each one of the emails in that sequence is a variable each one of the emails in that sequence is made up of a bunch of variables, right? So if looking at it in that super analytical way isn't working, maybe explore another way of looking for information, not just science and data and all those things. Because maybe if you go and just focus on breathing or like go get inspired or go talk to people or wherever it is that like fills your cup of inspiration up, Maybe you'll find, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we live and breathe on like aha moments, you know, like we need epiphanies. And so maybe there's an epiphany waiting somewhere, or maybe you're just fucking tired, like just go to sleep, like just take a nap, you know, like I think that's an underrated 
solution to a lot of problems. Just take a nap. A hundred percent. Just take a nap. I literally scheduled nap time in my calendar this week. I was also similarly exhausted. And I was like, I'm blocking off my calendar and literally putting nap. And I don't want anyone touching it. I don't want to even like, it's okay for me to see the word nap in my schedule. Because then at the end of the day, I always do this reflection exercise of like, how did I get my needs met? And it makes me feel good that like I scheduled in rest. And entrepreneurship is fucking hard. Like it is hard. We're going every day. We're one man bands, usually doing everything ourselves. We're every department. And on top of that, we're trying to live life. Like we want to hang out with our partners and go get gelato and travel and do something fun on the weekend. And also have the responsibilities of like, I have survival needs. I need to pay for rent. I need to pay bills. I need to make sure that I'm not slacking. I need to stay ahead. So I think just a reminder for everyone that is feeling like overwhelmed too. Sometimes it's just resting, regrouping and simplifying. I think that's something that I'm going through right now is like, how can we make this more simple? We don't need 10 offers and 10 different monetization streams. Like maybe we just have two and that's it. And just keep promoting them and see what happens. For me, my lesson that I need to learn is like patience. I just made Mic Drop actually a self-paced course. And I'm like, why isn't it blowing up? Why isn't everyone signing up? It's been out for a year. Like what's going on? And I'm like, well, you just made it self-paced. You haven't really been promoting it. You just started talking about it five days ago. And it's that quick to like the instant gratification thing that we all deal with of like, why is this not working fast enough? My listeners and I, we really value transparency. And I'm curious, like, is there a launch that you've had where literally zero people signed up or you made zero sales and you're just like, what is going on? And like, is this, is this for me? What should I be doing now? Oh, absolutely. There is. I'm trying to think of a launch. So I will say most of my launches where I've like sold things have at least sold a couple, but almost always in the last, like literally the night before doors closed. Right. So there's definitely times, I mean, I don't have, I think I have like 2000 people on, on the newsletter list. And when I started my business, I had like 100, right? So there's, I was selling to a limited number of people, right? Again, a variable, right? I'm, I'm sending great emails, but if only this many people are reading them, you know, and only 10% of them have the expendable income to buy something like this. And only 8% of them are interested. Like it goes like that, right? So it's not, you know, whether or not people buy something is not one of the variables that's in our control. Like I wouldn't want to stand over somebody's desk and their mouse and say, buy it now. Like you literally have to, right? I don't want that even if I did have that power. So all I can control are the variables that are within my reach, which are, what are those emails? When am I sending them? What's the content of them? Am I doing everything I can to remind people you know, not for the sake of manufacturing urgency and like stressful responses, but for the sake of, you know, people, I really believe in the value of this product and, and the doors have to close because class starts on this date, right? So am I doing everything I can to like share my excitement for this program and let people know that, you know, there is a, a time to make a decision by, and there have definitely, the thing that comes to mind when I think of like, hashtag fails, failed experiments. There was definitely one time that I did a workshop and I planned it. This is when the, this is when I first had the aha moment about the variables was it was like 2021, maybe spring. And I did a workshop. I don't even remember what it was about launching probably. And it was at noon on like a Wednesday and nobody came and I just sat there and they were like, I don't know, however many signups, but nobody came live. So I just recorded the whole thing for the sake of having a replay. And then I made a post about it. And I was like, that's when I realized like, okay, it's easy for me to go into maybe this is about me. Maybe people don't like me because it's me that's actually sitting in my bedroom in front of a mic and like trying to get people to care about what I care about. But what if this isn't about me? What if noon is not a good time for people, for this audience? What if I didn't? What if I could have increased the number of people who signed up? What if my reminder email didn't go out? Like I'm just thinking about the variables outside of like me <laughs> that might have influenced this. Because right it, in the experiment, my hypothesis was if I host this, then people will want to buy my product. So what variables were in and out of my control? 
that was my, that's the one that comes to mind for sure. Yeah. Any entrepreneur, business owner listening, we've all been there where you put so much effort into something. You feel like you did your best. And then you're like, wait, why is no one here? Why is no one on the call? Why is no one even signing up? And just know, like you just said, maybe it's the time. Yesterday that happened, there were so many people that signed up for this masterclass on the back end, but then live, a lot of people couldn't make it. And then later they were like, oh, I just have a nine to five. I couldn't come. And it's like, oh yeah, it had nothing to do with me or my content or my personality. It was just like the time didn't work for my schedule. I'm not allowed to just take an hour off in the middle of the workday and watch your class. So I think when you can zoom out like that is a really powerful tool, but it's also, I feel like a very mature way of looking at entrepreneurship entrepreneurship itself challenges you so much and it reveals all your shadows, all your insecurities. And it also helps you highlight your strengths and superpowers. But if you are constantly focusing on your negatives, it's going to be hard to keep going. So I'm curious for you, like, what are some personal practices or rituals or like hyping yourself up exercises that you do to be like, I'm going to keep doing this. This is for me. I'm here to serve. Like, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. I always do morning pages. If I can, so morning pages are three pages by hand. It's a practice of the artist's way by Julia Cameron. I've been doing those since that 2020, the artist's way. So not every day, but a lot of days through the last three years. I always, I try to go for a walk. I tend to get my best ideas on walks. I almost never get my best ideas sitting at my desk. So it's really important for me. I mean, I forget a lot. My boyfriend has to remind me, but I try to go for walks, try to spend as much time as I can in environments that make me feel like I'm living my dream work life, which here in DC for me is our public libraries are gorgeous and incredible. Like we even have the Library of Congress, which like feels like a, you know, old, very old, beautiful library. So I try and, you know, if I can, I'll go and do my work from a place like that or a coffee shop, just somewhere that makes me feel however it is that I want to feel that day. Like I like the archetypal work that, that Michelle does at Holisticism, where it's like, who who do I want to be today? Do I want to be Hermione Granger, you know, in who wrote those books, fun fact. Do I want to be Hermione Granger, like in a cafe, you know, writing my debut novel? Do I want to be like a surfer girl, you know, eating crab legs and like getting a bunch of sun, it just whatever the vibes are, that's a big part of my practice. And then, yeah, I think, you know, I, I do my abstract goals. So I, at big paper planning day, the, it's like a life planning retreat that we do every three months at Pretty Decent. We do these things called abstract goals, which is essentially finding the essence of the goal. So instead of doing a smart goal, like I want to make $30,000 between now And April 15th, we say, I want to advocate for the value of my work. And by changing the goal from something that is very concrete and specific to something that is abstract, it's something that I can not just say like, oh, I got closer today. It's like, oh, I did it today. So every day I try and see what can I do today to right now it's advocate for the value of my work, be financially well and confident observe the world with wonder, which I wrote on my hand at Bonnaroo. So I was at Bonnaroo, like running around with this acronym on my hand and then experience community. And it's like, if I go to the coffee shop, if I post an Instagram story with a link in it, if I check my balance on YNAB and I stare at a tree, I have achieved all of my goals today. And that practice really helps me, especially on those days where I don't have the energy to like, I don't know, record. TikTok explainer video, you know, or whatever, like the the high energy task is. Yeah. It sounds like you really, you again, focus on the essence of things, which I think is what, when you zoom out, that's what we all want to feel whenever we want a goal is the essence. Like, oh, I want to make more money. Well, why? Oh, I'll feel more safe. And if I feel more safe, maybe I'll feel more calm. And if I feel more calm, maybe I'll feel more generous. And like it, the cycle just keeps going. And so I like that idea of like mapping out what your goals are, but not so harsh and analytical, but like, what am I trying to feel from these goals? And what do I think I'll feel? And how can I bring that to myself? Something I want to talk about that I truly have never talked about on the podcast, and I'm, I'm really interested in it, is being in a relationship while being an entrepreneur. 
I know when I was in a relationship in 2020 and 2021, having a partner helped me so much. Like I was able to bounce ideas off of him, vent with him, verbally process. And he was a really great pillar of like, just a rock for me to be like, you're, you got this, like, that's okay. It's okay. You had a bad day. And then we broke up and I was like, I actually didn't realize how much support that really was. And now I have to provide a lot of that to myself or with coaches or with friends. And I'm curious, like just in general, in your partnership, can you tell us what it's like being an entrepreneur and being in a committed relationship? Mm, Yeah, I love that question. So it's funny, like when it comes to like when my brain starts going like hyper hamster mode and I have like a million ideas at once, that tends to always happen when I'm alone also stoned with like a big piece of paper. (laughs) And so that's not really where I find it. I mean, I always have someone to high five when I make a sale, right? Like a big sale, I I get someone to high five instantly, which when you're working alone in your bedroom, that's a big deal, especially, you know, otherwise you just like, I I mean, before I was moved here and lived with Eva, I lived in Brooklyn and I lived with my three best friends, but they all had, you know, quote unquote, normal jobs. And so I would really just spend the whole day alone. Now we both work here from home. And so you can, I can get that like high five moment or like that pep talk, you know, when I need it and things like that. There's also a financial privilege to it. He has health insurance and I can be on it, which is not something that I experienced when I, before I had that for years I've had, since my dad died, I've had, you're under 30, don't get hit by a car insurance. And so That's been, I mean, of course, really helpful. Also helps with being in DC where we have great domestic partnership laws. Might not be as easy in a state that doesn't recognize those type of partnerships. So yeah, I I think the big thing for me is just having, it's almost like a water cooler, you know, like what are you doing? And also he's really good at math and stuff. So sometimes when I'm stuck on like a notion, a notion something, I'll be like, can you tell me how to do this? You know, and can you tell me my website's doing this? So that part is nice as well. It's kind of like having a little programmer in the house, which it oh my is. Gosh. Engineer. I remember that too. I would be so frustrated with something. And he's like, why don't you try planning your day this way and like making an alarm to stop and then doing this mm-hmm. and that. And I'm like, wait, this actually worked. Like, this is really cool. It's like having a consultant in the Did house. You hate it when that happens. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, you don't even right. do this. <laughs> And he was way younger too. I had a really young ex and I was like, how do you even know this? Like, and it worked. So yeah, it was, it was annoying, but it was also helpful on the flip side of that. Something that I noticed, and and this is just me, like probably attracting the wrong people is I would have these really, really, really big dreams. Like I'm ready to like, you know, pitch this guest for the podcast that is has 1 million followers, has an exclusive deal with Spotify. And I'm over here in a tiny town in Germany. Like, who am I to pitch this person? Whatever. Like, those were the thoughts coming up. And sometimes partners would be like, you're a little crazy. Like, this is a lot. Like, you're feeling a little delusional. Like, why don't we start here instead of here? And to me, I felt like discouraged. Like, why are you not hyping me up? Why aren't you being like, hell yeah, go pitch that person. And I think, you know, partners just want to protect you and not have you be disappointed. But have you felt that ever in your relationship now or in the past of like, I have big dreams and this person doesn't get it. And I don't know how to like move forward with it. Well, one, I appreciate the, and I want to name that you said, you know, obviously they're just trying to protect me from disappointment, right? Which Yes, it's true when a friend or a partner does it, but also it's true when we do it to ourselves. Like when I have a big idea and then that little voice in my head comes and says, oh, well, you know, like maybe you shouldn't, like that's kind of weird. Like you're going to be embarrassed. Like that's the part of me that is trying to protect me um, and protect me from like harm, right? And there's like few things humans will do more than avoid social harm. And so I just appreciate that one and name it because it's true even when we do it to ourselves. I don't experience that now, but I've definitely experienced it. (laughs) I had a really, I had an ex-boyfriend once tell me everything about what you are trying to do for work is annoying. And I don't like it, just everything. And I was like, okay, maybe you don't like me actually, (laughs) I think is what I said. (laughs) Like, and so I've definitely had, I mean, Julia Cameron calls them crazy makers, you know, like people who just, don't want you to have the things that, you know, or want to burst your bubble in a way, whether because it doesn't fit their idea of you or because it threatens in some way their idea of themselves or it's just triggering for them or whatever. I don't 
even notice it because I psychoanalyze them, but it's not kind. And so I try now to, I mean, that's pretty much my litmus test. Like when my, my favorite thing in human beings is when your eyes get really big and you just can't stop talking and you're just like, I just had this idea. Like that is my favorite thing about people. And so if I get like that and somebody, and you know, if you get a little closed off and like overwhelmed, that's okay. But if you actively are like, like, that's weird. I'm like, okay, well maybe we can be acquaintances, but not besties. You know, like we're, we're not going to be like having sleepovers, me and you, because I get like this a lot and I need to protect. It's like very precious energy. I think that, that idea energy and you have to protect it. It's not the time to go to the person. There is a time to go to the person who pokes holes in the plan. Even if you go to like corporate, if you go to Google and you sit in on a brainstorm, they're not bringing the idea to the person who's really good at poking holes in it until like day five of the five day sprint. That's when you bring it to that guy or that, that person. Before that, you stay with the people that, that are of the belief system that there are no bad ideas and that nothing's too big and that everything is possible because that's where you get fucking Pixar movies. You know, like it comes from that, not from being super realistic about everything. So just gotta, you can keep the, the bubble pokers around, but we gotta keep, we gotta go to them at certain times. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a good point. I, my therapist taught me that where I was like, I just say things to a certain person and she's like, but you almost know that that person's going to say that every time you go to them. So why don't you stop going to them and then go to this person instead? And then, yeah, maybe, maybe bring them around in two weeks. And then you can be like, I've already, like, I've already had the processing time for it. I also think it's just a good lesson in like direct communication. I think, you know, I used to have a problem of like, oh, they don't support me. So we're done. Bye. Instead of like, hey, when I come to you with this thing, I know you're trying to protect me, but I just just know in that moment when I am in that visionary energy, I just need you to hype me up and and say 100% you've got this. And then maybe in a week or two, we can be like, let's talk about like the reality of this and what is that going to look like? What is that going to take? But that takes practice, like direct communication and honesty and transparency is a skill. And I think it's something just to know, like you don't need to throw your partner in the trash and you don't need to throw your dreams in the trash maybe you just need to communicate a little bit better. And that brings me to another question about relationships and entrepreneurship. Like, has there been a rocky time, whether that's like in the middle of a launch or in your relationship where you're like, my partner and I are fighting, but I have this big launch coming up. This goes into personal life too. Like you're just having a really shitty day or some insane news just happened that you're like, I can't even process this. Like, how do you allow space for your humanity in your business? Mm. I haven't had it happen in partnership that I can remember, but definitely I think there is an approach to, I mean, you said specifically launching, right? So there are businesses whose whole business centers around a once a year launch. And the thing that's always seemed risky for me about that, right, where everything is planned out and scheduled months in advance and you know exactly when it's happening and you know, you've got this, it's like the whole business is this one, you know, and that's where you see, oh, I had a million dollar lunch or whatever it might be. The, the risk of that to me has always been like, what if something, you know, like I was in journalism major, we know that we don't schedule tweets that far in advance, because you never know what's going to happen. And it's a PR, at, at best, it's a PR disaster. At worst, it's like a ethical and moral conundrum, where you're like actively dissolving the trust that people have in you, which is the worst thing you can do for your business. And so when I tell people like, oh, I'm launching something, which I'm almost always launching something, I think of launching as just campaign building. So there's always a call to action in most of the things that I share and post because that's where my business comes from. But when I do that, I mean, a lot of times it's like me waking up in the morning, looking at my sales planner and saying, what's my job today? And if my job today is to tell people about the study, our membership, because that's where I'm at in my sales campaign planning, you know, maybe I do that or maybe I let it go till tomorrow because something has happened or I woke up today and didn't have a lot of energy, but it's never really riding on like, I have to be full cylinders at all times during this one specific period. And a lot of times for my own sake, I plan launches when I'm ovulating. <laughs> so I I know that I'm going to have the highest energy 
the week after the two weeks after my period. So most of the time, if I'm like, if I'm designing a campaign or, you know, whatever that is going to rely on me, like going live on Instagram or whatever, like that's, I'm going to use the, my cycle and my energy shout out to Kate from consciously Kate to make the most out of that period where I know versus trying to do it when I'm like PMSing and I need to eat like 50 pizza rolls a day just to stay sane. You know, it's just, it's more self-compassionate, I think, to just work with your own energy and give yourself space to like be flexible in, in that time. I love that. Cycle syncing is like the ultimate cheat code. I feel like for anyone that menstruates or has a period to like plan your business around, I've personally done that. And I've seen such a change in like how I show up. And I think that's something a lot of us aren't even familiar with that. Like that's an option for you, but if you don't menstruate, just track your energy. Like when Mm -hmm. are times of the month and even the day that I work best? Like I found Mondays, I'm just not there. Like I'm not productive. I'm to me, Monday is like life admin day. So I just run errands. I make my returns. I book my travel. So I realized I need to stop booking client meetings or podcast interviews on Mondays. Like it just doesn't work. And I feel like once you, once you start to do that too, it really starts to feel like you're taking ownership of the life that you want to create, which goes back to like dream work life is I don't want to work Mondays, so I'm not going to work Mondays. And instead, I'm going to do this. So I think it's like very full circle to understand your energy is like how you build your dream work life, I think. Mm -hmm. Just a bunch of tiny decisions, like, and and at each point going, I have the authority to make this decision because it's my life. And I'm, as Natalie Miller would say, I'm authoring it, right? Like, I'm the one who gets to decide. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Well, Lexi, this has been so much fun talking to you. I ask all my guests the same exact question. Every time we talk, this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. So what is something that you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Oh, that I, I thought you were going to ask me what is my strongest non-expert opinion because I have that one ready too. Oh, um, I didn't hear that one too. <laughs> wait, what is something I'm not an expert in that I wish that I was? Surfing. Ooh. Yes. That would be very fun. And the thing that I have a very strong non-expert opinion about is that Coca-Cola freestyle machines are the worst things that have ever been invented. They make yes. all soda taste so bad. And every time I see one in a restaurant, it it's like my trust, my brand affinity for that restaurant goes Zaxby's straight down. Down. Lowe's, down. <laughs> so that's my non-expert opinion. Oh my God, I love that. Maybe I need to change the question now. I no, I like your question. I just, I, I take any opportunity to hate on Coca-Cola freestyle machine. <laughs> I'm dead. I love that. Well, how can everyone support you and your work? I know you have so many incredible offers and ways to help people. So let us know how to work with you. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, it depends what your vibes are. If you want to plan your life, I'm just going to send people lead magnets because that's the, where you get the actual most value. I'm on Instagram at pretty decent on TikTok at Lexi M merit. So two M's, two R's and two T's, but my so I have a free Notion weekly agenda template that people routinely tell me is the only Notion template they actually use. And there's also semi-weekly Monday planning sessions if you want to come to those once you get the template. And then I have, what is my, oh, I just released a really cool new, what we call, I guess a lead magnet called the Idea Designer. You actually, it's the same one you did when you worked with me one-on-one. I decided to take the one-on-one questionnaire that I gave people who did VIP days and just release it. And I've been having such a fun time talking to people about their answers as they fill it out because it takes you through what is your dream work life? What is your like unique perspective? How much money are you making from various offers? And what's most exciting? So it takes you through all these questions and it helps you kind of get a big picture, holistic view of your business. And so those are the two things I would point you to. They're going to point you into you know, my, my list, my email list, but I send great emails too. So yeah, that's where I would say to hang out. Yes. Your emails are amazing. I, I had a kind of like audit this year of my inbox where I'm like, I love so many people's emails, but because of how busy I was getting, I was like, I cannot have all these emails in my inbox. Like I really need to clean up the marketing emails I receive and happy to report you made the cut. I was like, Lexi's emails are amazing. I'm keeping her on the list. So thank Thank you so much for your incredible emails. They're really thoughtful. So everyone make sure to go check them out. Well, thank you so much, Lexi. I'm so glad we got to record and everyone go run, not walk to everything she just shared. She's so incredible at what she does. And we really appreciate you. 
Thank you so much. This was so fun. I really just love talking to entrepreneurs who get it, who are open, grounded, here to serve their community, who understands the importance of bringing your humanity into your business. I hope you felt Lexi's warmth just as much as I do every time I work with her. I'm still inside her membership. Like I said, I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. Her Notion templates are next fucking level. Her weekly planning sessions are like the only reason I'm able to stay on track during the week. And the strategic intuition circles on Friday have been the source of some of my biggest breakthroughs in the last year. I cannot say enough good things about Pretty Decent and the study. And if you have the opportunity or the resources to invest in Lexi's VIP day, you should definitely take it. Again, that's how I revamped Mic Drop. It's one of my favorite things I offer now, and it was all because of Lexi's help. So be sure to check out the link in the show notes to figure out how to connect with her and what makes sense for you. And for me, you know where to find me at Chelsea Ripe on Instagram, chelseareipe.com. And if you want to take Mic Drop, head to the link in my show notes or check out the page on my website. And you can always email me or DM me if you have any questions to see if this is right for you. And I'll give you my honest take on if I think podcasting is your best next step. As a thank you for listening, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and then send it to info at chelseareife.com or DM me at chelseareife. I will send you one of my favorite masterclasses, which is how to monetize your creations and podcasts. So if you're someone who's constantly creating content and you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel and you're getting frustrated from hours in Canva and Adobe and CapCut and you're just like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to monetize this. I don't even know who to talk to, who to reach out to, how to set up collaborations. That is all inside this masterclass. I used to work in influencer and content marketing for six years in corporate America before I went off and did my own thing. So I have a lot of experience in brand partnerships, affiliate marketing, collaborations, and other ways to monetize like paywalls, exclusive content, merchandise, etc. So if you're like, yeah, that's what I need. This sounds exactly up my alley. Then again, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a written review, and then screenshot it, send it to my email or my Instagram, and you'll be entered in to win that masterclass. As always, thank you so much for listening. Your DMs, your emails, any words of affirmation you send me mean the absolute world to me. I truly can't thank you all enough for listening every time I drop an episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll see you next time.